0: Hi there, and welcome to the Love Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Scribe. I don't know about you, but I like to try to get up early in the morning before our children wake up, and I like to go out, get a walk-in. Of course, it's really cold right now, so I'd pretty much am not doing walks uh, as frequently as I'd like to. But usually I would get up early in the mornings. In the the private time of my morning after a walk, a, a quiet walk, I would spend time in prayer, in worship, reading the Word, and reflecting on my thanks unto the Lord or prayers for other people, prayers for our family, prayers for different situations. But I would find myself, I don't know if you're this way, but I find myself Uh, reflecting a lot on things, not not dwelling on things that have happened, but reflecting on the goodness of God and the grace and the mercy of God and really thinking about how the Lord has been so faithful in, in situations, in the challenging times, in the trying times, in the triumphant times, the faithfulness of God through all of those seasons, through all of those situations and times. And, and as I continue to read scripture, my thoughts are starting to veer more towards understanding the view of suffering, whether it be due to the fallen world and our outward bodies, which show age. I don't know about you, but as I am getting <laughs> a little further into my 40s, just a little bit, I'm starting to notice that I have more pains in my body. I don't move as fast as I used to at times. Or, you know, there's different aches and pains that come up that just didn't happen in your 30s. And so I'm starting to realize more and more that there are things that we're going to go through because we live in a fallen world. And we're going to deal with our bodies that are breaking down over time, that are, <laughs> that are wasting away. I mean, Paul even talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. He's encouraged by the ministry of Christ and the gospel, and so he wants to encourage and express this to the Corinthian church. He, sell, he tells them, so we do not lose heart. though our, our, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And he goes on to talk to them about the heavenly dwelling, about being absent from the body as being present with the Lord, talking about the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. He wants to encourage them and and help them to understand that you know, we, that we do groan in these tents that we're longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. And to be with Christ, we we don't want to be under this futility any longer as believers in Christ that we are aware that there is suffering in this world, whether it be for the gospel, for the sake of the gospel, as the apostles of Christ suffered for Christ's sake. Even uh, when in Acts, we can recall when Ananias was called to go by the Lord, was called to go to Paul and to minister to him, he told Ananias, the Lord told Ananias that that he wanted to show Paul the things that he was to suffer for his sake. Suffering is part of the Christian life. I know I've talked about this before, and you've heard other people talk about it. But suffering is part of the Christian life. It was not something that I was aware of in past uh, things that I was involved in because it wasn't highlighted. And when it when it was talked about, it was talked about in a negative light. Uh, many times it was talked in more so in a, such a way that this was not acceptable to, to have suffering. But we can't escape it. We cannot escape suffering. Whether it's because of the fallen world and we face uh, persecution for the sake of Christ, or we're dealing with suffering in our physical bodies because of sickness, because of being in a fallen world, whether we're dealing in any capacity of suffering, whatever it may be, we're aware that this is going to happen. And our question should really be, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to use it to glorify God? Are we going to see it in a different way that the world doesn't see it? What are we going to do with that? My thoughts tend to go to that a lot of times as I'm thinking about the view of suffering and what we deal with. So we may be dealing with stuff in our in our physical bodies at times, and the, show, the show's age, and, and we're, we're reminded, like Paul reminded the Corinthian church, that our bodies are wasting away. But if we're in Christ, our inner self is being renewed day by day. There's an eternal, there's a spiritual aspect of this going on, that we are, we are being renewed by Christ, that our inner man, our inner self, is being strengthened by the truth of the Word of God and by the hope of eternal life. And I wanted to share some thoughts with you today, and, and I wanted to talk with you. Romans 8 was one that came to mind, so I want to read a little bit of that with you. And I want us to maybe sit on the porch together this morning, or this afternoon, or tonight, whenever you're listening to this, and maybe have a little discussion about what's going on in Scripture and what suffering were promised as believers in Christ. Because the truth is, suffering is promised. You know, Jesus comforted His disciples In many ways with the things that he taught them and told them and one of the ways he comforted them was to let them know that if the world hated them that the world hated him first and that they would be persecuted they would be killed for even those that thought they were doing what God wanted them to do that that were glorifying God they would be killed for those things. They would be put in prison. They would suffer many things. Peter was told by Jesus in, in the Gospel of John that uh, one day when he was old that there were he would be taken where he didn't want to go and that he would be dressed and, and taken where he didn't want to go. And that was talking about how he would be killed for the sake of Christ. That may seem extreme. And again, suffering isn't always, as we talk about in this fallen world that was subjected to futility, it isn't always for the sake of Christ but every bit of suffering that we go through, is it's not in vain. Anything that we go through that can be challenging and trying can all be used for the glory of God. That sounds really strange, doesn't it? I mean, especially if you've come out of a particular belief set where suffering is really looked down upon. If you're suffering, then that means, well, you must have hidden sin in your life or you just don't have enough faith to be healed. You don't have enough faith to, to walk in the abundance and the, the, the blessings of what God has for us. And God still does heal, absolutely, and God does miracles. But at the same time, when when you have a gospel that wishes to annihilate suffering and essentially turns a blind eye or n- and negates it, that's selling a bill of goods. That's not telling the truth of what Scripture tells us, because Scripture over and over again shows us that there is suffering to the Christian life. We're not promised we're not going to go through things in our life. We're not promised that we're not going to at some point battle some physical ailment or sickness. We're not promised that we're not going to struggle financially. We're not promised that we're, that our children are going to always serve the Lord. We're not promised that we're not going to have days where we're dealing with depression or that we're dealing with you know family members or jobs or that we're dealing with people in general Other people in the world that are unbelievers, potentially, that are broken, that are hurting, that are dealing with their own issues in life, that are trying to make it through day by day. And maybe they don't have hope. Maybe they have hope and they're still being, they're going through their, their uh, walk with the Lord of their sanctification. We are all in different areas of this. But when we're talking about believers in Christ, we must understand that there is going to be suffering, and there's going to be suffering for unbelievers too. I mean, the Bible talks about that God reigns on the just and the unjust. He shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. God is good to everyone. He is good to the those that are belong to Him, and He's good to those that don't belong to Him. We see this over and over, but we also see people that are righteous and unrighteous, whether righteous in Christ or they're unbelievers, that they don't have a righteousness that leads to eternal life. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we all suffer. But the thing is with the with the Christian, with us as being believers in Christ, how do we view that suffering? We're okay with Christ's suffering. That's the thing. When we when when we when we talk about suffering, we we're okay with Christ's suffering for us. We're okay with him taking the suffering because he was a, a man acquainted with sorrow. Scripture tells us that as well. We're okay with that, but we are far less okay with our own suffering and pain, but we're not okay with, with suffering in our own capacity at times, and it can be very daunting. It can be very draining and trying on us when we're going through hard times, but we are to turn to Christ. That's where our hope comes from. We are to turn to Christ. Can I be honest with you for just a minute? As we're talking about suffering, I Really don't enjoy it at all. I don't like it. If I could go, if I could go through this world, if I could go through this life, and if there was a way to reign with Christ and not suffer, then I would like that. I would really enjoy not to have to suffer, not to have to wake up with any pain in my body in the mornings. I would uh, I would like to be able to not have to endure any type of negative things in this life that we view as negative or anything that brings hardship or difficulty or um, emotional pain or grief. I would love to go through this life and never have that happen and be still be able to reign with Christ. That's why I call this, I'll have a reign with Christ, but hold the suffering because it almost seems like we treat that at times like something that's on a menu, right? So I'll take this, but I don't want that. So just leave that off. And it's the same way with certain doctrines and beliefs that we've had. Maybe we've believed that suffering is bad, that if you suffer, you don't talk about it because, you know, it could show your weakness of faith. You don't speak it out loud because it could potentially happen to you. We believe in the power of our words. I don't know where you're coming from in that but that could be something that you deal with. Maybe you are dealing with something that you're suffering through right now. And I want to encourage you with this today is that the suffering is not to be central. It can it can really overwhelm us. Suffering can really overwhelm us. Hardships and difficulties can become the central focus of our lives. So that we'll, we'll just look at them all the time and think about what we're dealing with, what we're going through, how hard things are, how difficult things are, how we're, how we're suffering in that capacity. Or maybe that we are suffering because of persecution for the sake of Christ. Again, I I do make a distinction in that. But still, when you look at suffering as a believer in Christ, regardless of what that is, we must look at it as, how will this glorify God? Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you have come out of that uh, mindset of thinking, I can't talk about it because then I'll look weak. Or I won't look like I have enough faith. Or if I say it out loud, it's really going to happen. And I just want to encourage you that... Your suffering or your hardship or your difficulty is not the focus. It's not to be the focus. Christ is to be the focus. He's the one that we are to focus on, and that's. And Paul was, you know, again in Second Corinthians four when Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, he's reminding them of that. You know, your body's breaking down. He tells them, but this this is a light, momentary affliction, and you know what it's doing? It's preparing you for eternity for that, for being glorified with Christ. That's what it's preparing you for. That's what you're longing for as a believer. So don't lose heart in, in what you're seeing. Don't lose heart in what you're going through because there is great hope that we look towards and it's in Christ. Your suffering is not to be the focus. Christ is to be the focus. And that changes things when you begin to look at it in that perspective. It gives you comfort. It gives you a peace to... Realize when you look at Scripture that, well, we are promised suffering, but greater than that, much greater than that, is that we're promised eternal life, and that this is temporal. This is all transient. Th- these are not eternal things that we are going through right now. And I read a couple of quotes to you. I wanted to kind of say them at the end, but I, I want to read them right now. J. C. Ryle said, "Trials are intended to make us think, to wean us from the world, to send us to the Bible, to drive us to our knees." Thomas Watson said, whatever trouble in this life, a child of God meets with, it is all the hell he will ever have. I read that and it was a powerful statement to say the least when you think of it in that perspective. Elizabeth Elliot, this is the last one I'll read before we get to the word. Elizabeth Elliot says, our vision is so limited. We can hardly imagine a love that does not show itself in protection from suffering. The love of God did not protect his own son. He will not necessarily protect us, not from anything it takes to make us like his son. A lot of hammering and chiseling and purifying by fire will have to go into the process. When we look at Romans 8, there are some things that we can glean from in this. And I know that Romans 8 for many of us has probably been cherry picked and taken out of context to some point. But when we look at it in context, we're going to see some beautiful things in here. As we read through a big section of Romans 8. And I want to start off with Romans 8, beginning with verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, I want to stop right there for just a moment. But I want you to notice something. I don't know if you've ever heard any part of Romans read or people reference uh, in in messages that they'll talk about, all for all who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. And everybody says, amen. And that we, we are not, uh, we don't receive the spirit of slavery, but of adoption. And that's because of Christ. We are adopted as sons into the, the family of God, into the kingdom of God. We are citizens of heaven. But we can cry out, Abba, Father, in that sense. Again, that's been twisted to, and mangled to mean things that it doesn't mean and to be irreverent towards God. But it helps us in our understanding as being co-heirs with Christ. Verse 16 goes on to say, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs heirs of god and fellow heirs with christ now there's a comma in the modern translations there's a comma right after christ there so some people may be tempted to just stop right there and end with a period but that's not the full thought that that's not the complete thought that's going on paul goes on to say by the inspiration of the holy spirit provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him you know the spirit does bear witness that we are children of god And one of the ways that we're marked by being children of God is that we suffer with Christ in order that we may be glorified with him also. In verse 18, Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us as I was thinking about this passage i began to also think about philippians 3 when paul is talking to the believers there in philippi and he encourages them with his own testimony about how he considers everything that all the titles that he had and his birthright and such were all they're all rubbish they're all for nothing they're basically manure if you look at the the translation of that word as it's uh, pulled out it's manure but he then goes on to say Another passage that's well quoted, but tend to stop uh, at the comma <laughs> right at the end. That, that sounds really good. In verse 10, it says, he Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. We've all probably heard that at many times, and it seems like it stops right there, but it doesn't. Paul goes on to say, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul understood that suffering was part of the Christian life. And he wanted the other believers in that time, as he wrote the scriptures to them, wrote these letters to them, he wanted them to also understand that suffering was part of the Christian life. He reminded Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But he encouraged Timothy to go on in what he had been taught. To stand on the foundation of truth that was found in the word of God. But he reminded Timothy, if you desire to live a godly life, you are going to suffer. You are going to face persecution for the sake of Christ. That you are going to face hardships for the sake of Christ because of what you're ministering. And if we back up a little bit in 2 Timothy chapter 2... We see that Paul is also reminding Timothy, this is the last letter that he wrote, by the way, as he's going on to his death. He tells him in 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Paul was very much aware of the suffering that he endured for the sake of Christ. He also dealt with physical ailments. For example, we see this alluded to in Galatians, that Paul dealt with a Physical ailment we see in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 that Paul alludes to a thorn in the flesh and people dispute about what that is because it says a messenger of Satan, but he had a thorn in the flesh. There are many that believe it was a physical ailment that Paul dealt with that he endured also physical suffering. There were things that he dealt with in his body because we're in a fallen world. He had not arrived. He didn't have a message that said you can always have health in your body and never battle sickness or never deal with any physical ailment in this world because that would have been a lie. But he still viewed that for the sake of Christ, to glorify Christ. And it's very upside-down, backwards thinking when it comes to what the world thinks is good and what should be glorifying God, because we think it should be jumping, shouting, hooting and hollering, <laughs> as we like to say in uh, in the South at times, hooting and hollering, and having all these manifestations that express joy. But joy is not just an emotion. Joy is something that we rest in in Christ in deep understanding of who Christ is and what he has done for us that we could not do. And of his steadfast love and his mercy and his grace as we reflect upon that, there is great joy that comes even in the midst of pain and trial and difficulty of recognizing, again, this is transient what I'm going through, it's not pleasant, it's not fun, I don't like this, I don't like pain, I don't like suffering, I don't like dealing with any sort of of the hardship. But if I keep my focus on Christ and not on the pain and not on the suffering and not on the trial and not on the the persecution, if it is that, or not on any any of that that's transient, if I keep my gaze on Christ, then I'm being renewed day by day. I'm being reminded who my strength, where my help comes from, who is my strength, who's my fortress, who is my redeemer, who is the one I look towards to have such joy and not just view it as an emotion of my feelings when, when I get myself worked up, if that makes sense. One other one I'll share with you, and then we're going to go back to Romans. Peter was also one that was uh, aware of suffering, and he encouraged those in 1 Peter chapter 5 of suffering. Verse six, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Some of us have been told that we're not supposed to be anxious, that anxiety could be a devil or anxiety could be a weakness. And, um, dear friend, let me remind you, you are weak without Christ. Um, there is nothing strong in you, but with Christ, he is our strength. He is the one that we that, uh, that upgirds us, that holds us up. He is the one that strengthens us in our weakness. He perfects us um, in our weakness. We look to Him. So if you have anxieties, cast them on Christ. Don't be condemned of thinking that your weakness is something that you shouldn't show. Uh, you can't hide that from God. <laughs> God sees your weakness. It's not hidden from Him. Nothing is hidden from Him. As I like to remind my daughter, nothing is hidden from God. I can remind myself of that as well. Nothing is hidden from God. He He sees everything, and He sees our anxieties. He sees the 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 struggles that that all of us have gone through at one point in our lives. He sees that. Are we casting it on Him? Are we casting our cares on Him because we understand that He cares for us? That there is this deep seated joy within us that we still look to Christ and and we we are looking to the promise of eternal life even through these transient temporal things that we're going through in this fallen world. He says be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful passage? And again, some of us have heard uh, 1 Peter 5, 8 before about be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary prowls around, and we're told to resist him. We know we could do a whole topic on that, but even Peter talks about the suffering, that this, those same sufferings. We've looked at Paul, we've looked at Peter, Let's go back to Romans eight again, where Paul was talking to the those in Rome, and he's talking about the future glory. About if we are fellow heirs, co-heirs with Christ, and if the Spirit of God uh, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, then part of that bearing witness is understanding we are going to suffer. We are going to suffer. So the thought occurred to me while thinking on the physical pain that I was having one morning after my quiet walk and spending some some time reflecting on the goodness of the Lord. I began to realize that there were moments where I was complaining and murmuring more than I was praising God, than I was thanking Him in His, uh, in His love and His mercy and His grace that I could even get up and walk. That I could move, that I may have pain in my body, but uh, that my focus was to be on him. It wasn't to be on these other things. And rather than complain and murmur, and rather than uh, wonder, why am I dealing with this? Or why am I, why have I gone through this, these certain situations? Why has this happened? I, I began to think something I hadn't really pondered too much on until... Recently, I began to realize that these small moments and the moments of greater significance and consequence are designed to conform me into the image of Christ. When I read through Romans 8 here, when he talks about, Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. He says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons the redemption of our bodies. Isn't that interesting when you read that right there? It says we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. I thought we were already, you know, you're probably thinking, well, you, pr- you may be thinking, well, I thought Paul said a few verses b- back that w- we had received the spirit of adoption, that we're already adopted. But we're living in a now and not yet. We're not yet glorified with Christ. We're we're not yet out of this world um, and away from the futility that this world has been subjected to. We're not yet out of the presence of sin, are we? No, we're not. And so Paul is talking about this groaning that's inward in creation and in ourselves, that we wait eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. Same thing in 2 Corinthians 4, as we read earlier. There is this now and not yet that we, that we live in, that we are co-heirs with Christ and we are adopted as sons, but we have not seen that come to full fruition yet while we are still in this world that has not yet been redeemed back into the, the state that it, it's, it is longing for as well. Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And he goes on to talk about that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. In verse 28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. To be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he, whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. I love that in verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And Paul has made it clear in these passages, in the midst of all this, of the Spirit bearing witness that we are children of God, that yes, we are co-heirs with Christ and that there is a glorification that takes place in there. And in the in-between of all that, guess what else is, is taking place in the life of a believer in Christ? Suffering. The Spirit is going to bear witness if you are a child of God, if you are willing to also suffer with Him, with Christ, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Remember what I told you much earlier, we're okay with the sufferings of Christ. We're okay with Christ taking on the, 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 the scourging and the, the crucifixion on our behalf. We're okay with the sufferings of that. What we're not okay with is when we are told that we are going to suffer. It is highly offensive because it does not seem like a blessing. But what if whatever you're going through is being used, could be used to conform you to the image of Christ? What if that pain that you're dealing with, physical pain, emotional pain, what if that pain is something that could be used to glorify god what if you are being truly persecuted for the sake of christ i mean you are ministering the gospel of jesus christ you're being shunned you know excommunicated or beaten or uh, mistreated lied about slandered um, rejected does that seem like a blessing no it doesn't in our understanding but scripture says something much different Scripture tells us that whatever type of suffering we're going through, through, us, and in particular, when you're talking about, let's talk about for the sake of the gospel, when you're talking about suffering for the sake of Christ, that leads to the glory of God. And every time that we are doing what God tells us to do, and that we are following his instructions, and we're ministering the gospel, and, and regardless of what the consequences could be, we recognize that. Those moments of loneliness or those moments of rejection or those moments of persecution or uh, unjust treatment, those are all going to be used to the glory of God. Those are all going to be used, if we'll look at them in this light, we'll look at them and see, I'm... to be conformed to the image of christ because i'm going to pray for those who mistreat me i'm going to bless those who persecute me i'm not going to to wish evil things on them i'm going to ask for god's mercy i'm going to continue to minister the gospel i'm not going to to stay silent i'm not going to deny my savior i'm going to be even more fervent in proclaiming the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because I love people enough to tell them the truth. If you're in, when you're talking about suffering in that capacity, that could be that. If you're dealing with something in your body that you're actually suffering because of the futility of this world that it was subjected to in the fallenness and because of sin, that can also be used to glorify God. Maybe that is cultivating patience in you. Maybe it's cultivating uh, compassion for other people. Maybe. Dealing with something in your body, you didn't realize how difficult it could be for other people, or that you look at other other individuals that are dealing with something. My husband and I go to to Nashville. We have to make a trip every few months to uh, the the MS center in Vanderbilt, and for him to have rechecks and to talk with his neurologist. And one of the things that we've noticed when we go in is that there are people of different stages or different different walks of life and, and how the MS is affecting them. And there are some people that are using canes and there are some people that are having to use walkers or there may be some people that can't even walk at all and they're having to come in a wheelchair. And and we've had these talks before of going how thankful that we look at my husband and think he's able to to do the things that many people that walk in there can't do. And we thank the Lord for that. It doesn't mean that he doesn't deal with stuff in his body that on a daily basis that doesn't bring discomfort and doesn't bring frustration or difficulty. But maybe situations like that cause you to look at other people and you have compassion. Is God using that in spite of what's going on, in spite of it being part of the fallenness of this world? Is it possible that God uses our physical restraints? Because of sickness or age or what have you, is it possible that God, in spite of all those things, could use that to conform you to the image of Christ? Is it possible that we may be losing sight of the fact that, yeah, we're, we're dealing with things in this world that to us are unfair, they're, they're very hard, they're trying, they're um, exasperating, they're frustrating, they don't bring peace. Is it possible that through all of that, that we might be missing the fact that it's an opportunity for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And rather than despising and hating the suffering, that we view it in a different way and we go, what if this pain, for example, the pain I was having one morning in my lower back or my feet, what if that simple thing like that, what if God would use that for me to to think on the goodness and the mercy of God and to cause me to be conformed even more to his image to where I further lean on him that I come to him in physical pain or emotional pain or whatever it is that you may be dealing with and that you take it to him and you're casting your cares on him and you're trusting him and even if you may not see the outward manifestation of what you're asking for right at that moment, because we all have this microwave-type faith, don't we? We want to see it five seconds ago. We want it instant, because if we, if we don't see something instant, or if we don't feel something instantly, then we think less of ourselves. But if you never had that manifestation happen, if you never had that healing happen, if you never have... Those perpetual feelings, the emotional feelings of joy because everything's going well. If you never have that, do you still love God? Do you still turn to Him and trust in Him? And I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm just trying to get you to think as we're sitting on my porch talking about this. Because these are things I'm having to think about as well. I'm thinking, what am I focusing on here? Am I focusing on what I feel? Am I focusing on pain? Am I focusing on the situation? Or am I focusing on Christ? Am I giving that over to Him and saying, "God, I, I'm honestly, I'm I'm hurting right now, or I'm I'm suffering with this or or that in my life, and I I trust you. I have to trust you because you're my Lord and Savior, and I have to trust that you work, as you said in Romans, through your servant Paul. You work all things for the for those who love you. You work all things for the good of those who love you. All things. That doesn't just mean, as I've said before. It doesn't just mean what I deem good. It means that every bit of this, every bit of suffering that we go through, He works all things for the good of those who love Him. What if it drew you closer to Christ through whatever you're dealing with? What if you found yourself asking God to use the pain to sanctify your walk and to bring glory to Him? I wish I could tell you that after that moment I had that one morning, I didn't complain or falter in any way. That would be nice to tell you, but I would be lying to you. <laughs> because the fact of the matter is, there was still pain throughout the day that I was dealing with, and I would find myself focusing on it, and, and almost having in <laughs> an, an inner pity party of going, poor me, I can't get up and walk, or mumbling and groaning and complaining. And I get it, you know, we are all going to do that, because we all have that That way about us, and we're going to deal with stuff. It's not like we're robots, and that we're just going. Ow, that hurts. I'm going to move on. We don't do that. We we all deal with things, you know, emotionally, physically, psychologically, spiritually. That we're dealing with that can be painful. I did falter. I did complain. (laughs) I did murmur at times, and I'm reminded of my of my own personal walk with the Lord. How quickly I forget my Savior in complaining, because complaining comes easy. The molding, stretching, and refining is hard. You know, Elizabeth Elliot was talking about that, and when I read that the, the hammering and the chiseling and the, and the purifying, it, it's part of the process as believers. And we can use every opportunity to reflect on our walk with Christ, no matter how small it may seem, no matter how small. Whether it is the, the, the persecution for the sake of Christ, the suffering that comes from telling the truth of the gospel, to the day-to-day things that we're dealing with in our bodies, in our homes, in our jobs, in our families, in, in in church. You know, there could be a lot of different areas that there can be room for suffering in some capacity. And there are people that are silently suffering, and they don't feel like they have anybody to talk to, whether saved or unsaved. And as believers in Christ, even in the midst of our own suffering, in whatever capacity that is, whether it be because of the fallen world or because of, because of persecution. Whatever area of suffering that we're in, I hope that it, it drives you and I both to have compassion on people to look past our own suffering and see theirs. Because that's part of loving our neighbor as ourself, is to minister to them and bear witness of the Holy Spirit through us of the fruits of the spirit of our of our hope of salvation of of being sanctified and and being conformed to the image of Christ. So I want to leave you with that today and give you some food for thought. As maybe you get into the word, maybe you're spending time in prayer before the Lord, worshiping him, thanking him for who he is, for his goodness and his kindness and his mercy and his salvation, I want you to think about Whatever you are going through in your life and think about how can this be used to glorify Christ? How can this be used to conform me to the image of Christ? Consider, I want you to consider asking yourself those questions. If what you're going through could be used in such a way to draw you closer to him. Because again, the focus is to be on Christ. I know that the pain that we all deal with in our personal lives, whether we talk about it or we don't talk about it, we've all dealt with pain in our lives, difficult situations at times, seasons that seem like they would never end. I want you to think about how that can be used to glorify the Lord and to conform you ever more into the image of Christ and to understand and to remember this. We're also not only told in the word that suffering comes, but it's transient. This life is a vapor. This life is a, is, a, is a breath. And where we are to go for eternity matters. Whether we know Christ, whether we've re- confessed Him and that we believe that by faith that He is our Lord and Savior. When we have endured things in this world and suffered in this world in different capacities, all of it's temporal. It's transient. We, we have a greater hope to look forward, to look towards. And that's why we should be, be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we long for other people. We desire for other people to, to know him in such a way and to be saved and to help them to grow in their faith and to glorify Christ, to point always back to him. Let the suffering that you're going through bring you back to Christ. Let it draw you back to him and be conformed into the image of Christ and bear witness by the spirit of God. Be blessed today by this word, friend. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Lovesick And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and And we continue to grow together in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.